Hey guys, welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast Show, brought to you by Legendary Gear. The game called Company is Legend by Design. I'm your host, George Lynch, and this week it's going to be something a little different. We're winding down to the uh, very end of our 2022 waterfowl season, and uh, this is going to be an interview done by my wife to me over our past year. First of all, I want to wish everybody a happy new year. Hope everybody had a safe and blessed new year. So we're going to lead it off, and Diane's going to do the interviewing. So... Honey, throw them at me. Now that the 2022 season is coming to an end, how would you rate your waterfowl season? Tough. Um, it is here in South Central Iowa, Southeast Iowa, we're at where we're at. You know, we didn't travel much this year because Legendary Gear has really taken off this year and the orders and, and what's been a blessing, we're happy with that. That has taken off, so it's, it's caused us to do a lot more hunting local and near the home. But uh, out of the eight years that I've been here, and we live off a of waterfowl refuge, we live back in the, the boonies, but it's been the toughest waterfowl season. You know, we, we've talked about this before, but it was very spotty. We didn't get the birds, we didn't hold birds like we did in the past, so it made it really tough. Um, with ducks, ducks were spotty, and, you know, whatever you could find the water holes, they were there and gone. And then with geese this year, the geese, they didn't stay long and when they're here, they might be here three or four days and moved on. So you're always jumping. So this was actually the first year and we have some good property around here that, but where we can hunt, but pretty much we were hunting traffic geese. How much do you think this year's drought affected the hunting? Everything. I think that um, we didn't have the water. I mentioned this in, in earlier podcast talking, you know, doing the scouting, driving around. There was a lot of our little water holes that would hold geese and hold ducks both whether you call it old cattle pasture ponds or whatever but some of these uh hidden spots dried up pretty bad um we didn't get the rain so a lot of these spots were what i call uh, holding ponds or uh, loafing ponds you know the geese just, the geese and ducks just didn't have it and you know they stayed on the big water if they got the pressure off the big water they just moved on it made it really tough we had some good spots on ducks that you know a few ponds i held but what was tough with that is that, you know, the ducks were going there, but, you know, we pounded them once, one or two times and, you know, you had to give it a rest. So we didn't have the luxury of jumping and having various areas to jump to. Do you think the goose hunting was better than the duck hunting? <laughs> you know, we had great duck hunting when we hunted the ducks, you know, when we chose and basically um, we had one or two field hunts where normally we have a lot of good field hunts. Uh, the areas that we were hunting, we we didn't have traffic ducks. So it was just, you know, a couple times we had a couple good field hunts only because we weren't that far from some of the loafing ponds that they were using. Um, there on the last day of the duck season, we, a uh, couple of us, you know, we went in and we had a beautiful hunt. We did some great filming. You were part of that hunt, Diane, you took some pictures and everything, but that morning was incredible. You know, we had thousands of ducks coming in and got some great footage and we had some great hunts. So I think we got a couple days out of there. In fact, we had so many ducks coming in in the morning after we were filming, we clapped them up two or three times just to shoot the ducks as they were coming back, not to educate. But, you know, the goose hunting, again, I didn't hunt one field that we were on the X. Everything we hunted this year was all traffic geese. And just here lately, you know, you and I, we were, uh, we got some birds that came in and we had that huge freeze and everything was gone and left. And of course, you know, we figured we went through a, an 85, almost a 90 degree temperature change between a week because we had minus 30 wind chill. And then the next week it was 66 degrees. 
uh, for three days we had geese pouring back and coming in and, and uh, man, and I told you, I was watching, I can watch geese here at the house. I can tell you when I got new birds because they're looking. You can tell that they, they're looking where they're at. They're, it's just a different way they're flying when they're coming into a refuge and when they leave the refuge and exactly had that. And we set up to hunt on them and the next day they left and they haven't been back. So it's, the goose hunting has been really tough. Did you have to change your strategy? Yeah, you know, um, when you're hunting pretty much more traffic, I don't like to use big numbers of geese, especially starting out on decoys we're talking. Um, so basically hunting the more of the traffic, you know, we started putting a larger number of decoys out because trying to attract the big flocks. And these geese were, you know, what were there, you know, there'd be a small flock would be 75 to 100. And uh, so we were trying to pull a lot of those big flocks over and then it worked, but you know, get into the decoys. We, um, last couple of years, you know, we've been using silhouettes quite a bit, uh, whether it's been big owls or dive bombs, you know, we've been using the silhouettes and uh, they've worked. And especially if you're in an area that you're on the X and the birds are coming there, they're great attracting. And, and I mentioned this before, if the height of your birds are down lower where they don't see the degree, you know, it's a two dimensional uh, decoy or one dimensional, whatever you want to call it you know, they'll stick up, but when birds are flying higher, the decoys seem to, to disappear. And guys will talk about throwing their spread out wider and wider. Well, if you don't have wind, it gets really tough, tough to control birds when you put a wide spread out. I don't know if you guys think about that, but you know, you can lose your birds wanting to land and pull them away from you. So what we did this year with the decoys, you know, at, uh, I went with uh, the full bodies and we, we went with a big spread of full body. I think it's, it is hard to beat, just be facing it. It's hard to beat a three-dimensional decoy from above or from far away. They're all going to look the same. And I noticed this year that we went back using full bodies that we had um, tough, the geese won, they finished a lot better. You know, we weren't shooting birds that were pulling out at 40 yards or pulling out at 50 yards. You know, we had birds that were on our bootstraps that wanted to finish up. But uh, we used the silhouettes together, which I normally don't do. Um, I never did. But this year, like I said, again, we're hunting traffic. So we put our big spread upwind of us, kind of using what I call an arrowhead, uh, U-shape with an arrowhead up above us uh, with in the killing hole, all the full bodies are three-dimensional decoy. Then upwind of us, we threw the big spreads of full bodies or uh, silhouettes out, just trying to get that black look in the corn. Anyway, we used the uh, full bodies, the three-dimensional decoys. I like to put those up in the killing hole. Those were our, I call the presentation, because um, that's the first look when those birds are coming into that hole. I believe that the full bodies this year, you know, we were finishing birds even though we had new birds, but some were birds that were still in the area that we had for, you know, what time we had them. But it seems like we finished birds more at the bootstraps. You know, silhouettes, yeah, we could shoot birds over silhouettes and the, and the silhouettes are good. Um, I like to, you know, use them after, you know, mix them up after using full bodies and, and trying to give a different presentation. I think today that's out the window because so many people are using silhouettes. But going back to the full bodies in our killing hole, it, we finished birds up, but because we were hunting traffic geese um, so much, we wanted to put the big spread out there and make a black spot out in the field. 
So what we did is that we used the silhouettes upwind of us. We kind of used a U-shape spread with an arrowhead up ahead of us upwind. And upwind of us, we would put the large spread of silhouettes out there. And another thing that uh, what we did, and I truly believe that it's very important if you can work with your farmer, but uh, half the field that we had, half of the field was pick corn, and then the other half was mowed corn, where it's more chopped and, and down tighter. And if you go with your scouting and watching those birds out there, especially the ducks, you'll see a lot of more of those birds with that mowed corn down because it's the biggest advantage. It, it keeps them from breaking their wings. Birds are really paranoid when they start flying into the high corn stalks geese, ducks, both uh, can damage, a duck can especially, damage his wings uh, on the high corn stalks is coming in. So half our fields, you know, we had high corn and the other half was mowed. So we used the full bodies in the mowed part, which gave a great presentation from a distance. And then behind us in the uh, standing corn or the chopping of the cut corn, we put our blinds and then we put all the silhouettes. And when you got back and up above, it made a big black spot in there. It worked and that sped worked great. Um, again, you know, I, I, we use full bodies more than we ever have in the last three or four years. And I definitely, I believe I see a difference in finishing birds at the feet or shooting birds at 40 yards. This was the first year using your 20 gauge shotgun for hunting waterfowl. What are your thoughts about it? Well, thoughts about it, I need more ammo. I think the Rite sent us a couple 20 gauges. I've shot the Rite 12 gauge and loved it. It's been reliable. It points where I shoot. It's been a dependable gun. Um, this year, Jesse sent us a couple of 20 gauges. I shoot a 20 gauge, uh, 28 inch. You shoot the 26 inch. I love my 20 gauge. It took me a little bit to get used to because I've always shot, I mean, years ago as a young man guiding, I shot the SB10 10 gauges. I always liked the heavy guns, like my bows. I like a heavy bow. Uh, I think I follow through better. I think I shoulder better. So all the years of shooting a, a three and a half inch 12 gauge or a three and a half inch 10 gauge, you know, you get used to that weight. I do like the longer barrel for pointing, but you know, we shot some trap and, and after I started hunting with that, that 20 gauge, you know, I started getting used to that lighter gun. Uh, definitely a huge difference in the recoil. Um, you know, they, they, I know a lot of guys, are they're paying the high dollar for the, the, the high-end ammo and, it, and it's cool, but a lot of guys can't afford that. Um, we kind of stuck with using a regular good 20 gauge ammo. This year we kind of, we shot the 20 gauge uh, blindside by Winchester. And I've never really used the Winchester blindside in the past, but with our 20 gauge this year and had great results. But again, you know, I'm shooting 30 yard shots on birds. And, but at 30 yards, I had great, great results uh, with the blindside. So again, you know, you're, 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 the only thing you grant gain with the 12 gauge over the 20 gauge shot is the same size. You're just getting a few more pellets. The most important thing is what we do with every gun is to pattern that gun, but pattern it. I also shoulder it and I shoot it. We'll set a target up. I'll put a dot. We stand back 30 yards. I don't put the one eye closed and, and, and turkey aim at the target. What I like to do is I shoot both eyes open. The, the, the shoulder is the most important thing. Guys miss more shots, and I can tell you, I know when I'm going to miss a shot, If I, especially in a layout blind when I come up, if I catch my lanyard or bands, it, you know, I know right then I'm not shoulder right that I'm going to miss. So the shouldering is very important, 
but so I'll shoulder a gun with both eyes open and I'll look at that dot and, and you will see in your vision, you know, in that barrel and when it feels it's on, boom, I'll shoot. And then I want to see where my pattern's hitting. I could be, there's nothing wrong with a gun, but the gun could be shooting four inches and six inches, four inches to the right, six inches low. That's why a lot of these guns come with shim kits today. And you can adjust that and make, you know, I just, I want that gun so where I'm pointing, I know it's hitting where I'm looking. And that's the same way with wing shooting. So with the 20 gauge, you know, shooting the right load and making sure that gun is patterned. It's a wicked gun. It's uh, what I like about it. An old man from Louisiana once told me, he said, beware of the man who shows up with one gun. He can shoot it. And uh, the neat thing I like about this 20 gauge, I could use that 20 gauge for turkey. I can use it for upland hunting. I can see it'd be a great gun for uh, quail and pheasants for upland and the great for the ducks and geese. And like I said, we're working geese at 30 yards. It, it's more than enough gun. What about decoys? Well, like I said earlier, you know, we we, uh, we went more using the full bodies in, in this year because we just, we weren't hunting the X. And um, I don't, you know, we, it's basically, I hunt with a small number of guys. So basically I'm the strong caller um, or the only caller. So, you know, we don't have five, six guys calling, trying to pull birds, trying to sound like, emulate like a bunch of flock that's on the ground. But again, from a distance, it's the number of birds that they hear are going to come instead of the calling. You know, people think that it's the calling that is going to change um, what happens. To me, calling, the calling is what finishes the last 60 yards. But when they're out there coming in, it's, it's definitely seeing the decoys, spotting decoys and moving or flagging. Flagging is very important. But the full body, you know, when hunting the traffic geese, the full body gave us that three-dimensional look. I especially, you know, just we finished birds better this year. I'm not cutting silhouettes again, no. Silhouettes are good, but when, you know, our, again, we were hunting traffic geese and we were able to trailer our decoys out there. It does, to, it is a lot more work with full bodies. You know, if you uh, don't want to put in the extra work and, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's like the remotes for the TV. The first time, you know, as kids, we used to have to turn the TV by hand. Once a remote came, you know, nobody walks up and changes the TV anymore. And that's kind of like the silhouette. The silhouette is just so much easier to carry. You carry a few bags, you can, you know, carry 20 dozen out there, and you pop them in, pop them out. It's a lot less work, but it's different, you know. What did you use for a call this year for duck hunting and why? That's a good question. Diane, glad you asked that. <laughs> sure. um, you know, this past year we, we came out with our axe cut down call and very proud of that call. Um, is that what's behind you? That is behind me. I have the acrylic and Delrin and I used them both. I liked, I used the acrylic more in the field and I used the Delrin when we were hunting more of the water. The, Del the acrylic is just a little bit more sharper but uh, when we were the Delrin just has that nasally, good flat nasally duck sound. Guys, I'll tell you the cut down, I literally pretty much went to 99.9% .9 hunting with a cut down. And we've, you know, we've done our sound files. I did a great podcast with Todd Copley, who's a champion, a world champion caller, he's a champion of champions and a senior world champion, all done on a J-frame. But Todd is up here, you know, our ax is his favorite duck call. And it's, you know, he's been hunting specifically with a cut down for the last three years. Not saying that you're not a duck hunter, you're not, you know, this is the trend. 
Because it's a different, I tell everybody, if you want to use a cut down, it's a different beast. You got to be disciplined. And, it, you know, if you struggle with it, don't give it up. It doesn't run like a J-frame. It isn't that it takes more air. It takes a different presentation of air. And to me, what a cut down is about, which I did with a J-frame anyway, I barked at geese. I, I didn't get too much into the, the caging squealing and the little whining and then fast feed and stuff like that. To me, that wasn't what we did in finishing ducks, not where we hunted, but the barking and hitting that right hand at the right timing. It was all about timing and hitting that barking hand. And then the speed of that, and then slowing that down, you know, and Todd had a great, uh, a great comment, and, you know, a great description of what, why he hunts with a cut down, because that he can get ducks to do things they don't want to do. And, um, you know, some of the great duck hunts we had this year, my friends that we hunted with have hunted with J-frames their whole life. You know, when I started, you know, I was in the blind running that cut down, they saw the difference, you know, a couple of the days that we hunted, uh, you know, turned the friggin' spinners right off because we had overcast and it definitely was flaring the birds as they even coming in on the water where they wanted to be. So we, we cut the spinners right off and, and basically that cut down, you know, when the ducks wanted to move out, I just hit that, hit that little barky hen and it would bring that duck, like I said, it'd make them do things they didn't want to do, bring that duck back in. And I'll say my buddies this year, you know, they're, They've already come to me and got a cut down and, and they're trying to work for 2023 season because they saw the difference. And I use the analogy, if you walk into a classroom, a bunch of elementary kids talking, you know, the cut down is the man who walks in the room and starts speaking. It just, you take control of the situation. So yeah, I, I, the cut down has been my number one. Not saying it because I've had customers call me and say, man, I love the sound of that sound file. I watched the, the, the podcast that you did with Todd Copley. I told my wife that's the call I want. And then they got it and said, man, I'm struggling with this thing. And I explained to them, you know, I totally understand, you know, the nosedive is a great call. The nosedive was chosen to know one of the top picks for um, Wildfowl magazine. It was a, you know, so we put a lot of work into that and, um, it's a great call. So I tell the guys, you know, if, if that's what you want to stay with, if you don't have the time or you don't want to pull away because you're, you're going to have to discipline and everything you learn kind of on, you know, a J frame is going to be a little bit different, totally different on a cut down. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's popular. It's gained a huge popularity again back in Arkansas, which it was, you know, that's where it originated years ago. But it's gained a lot more popularity to it. It does sound like a duck. When you get a man who runs a cut down and hits the timing of it right, you know, the spinning wings and all that other stuff, it, it kind of, to me, replaced the spinning wing on those cloudy days when you, you know, when, when they start to flare off of that. So is it fair to say that cut down is kind of like a third category for what legendary gear offers for waterfowl calls? Because you've got the goose calls, which are long and short and very and different types of uses and then you've got the j frame single read double read and by far the vast majority of our duck sales is the nosedive double read and it was like you said top call 2022 for wildfowl magazine and it's a super easy running call and but the cut down is a different type of it's a call. beast it's yeah. a beast it's a call that you and you got to want to say that I'm going to run a cut down. You need to 
you know, we got stuff on YouTube talking about running a cut down. You know, I tell guys, you can call me, I'll work with you, uh, FaceTime, whatever, I'll get you started. But remember, you know, you gotta practice. And then I tell them, perfect practice makes perfect. You gotta make sure you're doing, getting in the right direction. A lot of guys, and I tell the guys who can run a J-frame, who run a, a duck call fairly well, I said, if you can run a duck call, I know you can run a cut down because you know air control. And you just gotta put a different air control into it, and then you'll start running that cut down. And there's nothing wrong being able to do both of them. I tell the guy, you know, with especially today with ducks and stuff's getting harder and harder to work, it's just becoming a, a more versatile duck hunter, learning to, be, you know, learn to blow a single reed, learn to blow a double reed, Learn to blow that cut down, you know. I have a single reed that I do. Um, I have real raspy and stiff, you know, that I tune up and it's in our Delrin and our impact. I like that and there's sometimes maybe in the open field that I can get a little louder on that. Um, I have a nose dive. If you want to do a nose dive and do one a little bit lighter. If I'm hunting where I have echo, you know, and, and, and sometimes it will go something that's a little bit softer and then learn to cut down and have, it's just a different tool. Once you learn to run that cut down and control it, I can run a cut, cut down and make it soft, I can make it quiet, I can get the larger wah, 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 cut, 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 cut. It's just all in that air and it's just practice. And once you get versatile with it, I it'd probably be your number one duck call. So you reminded me of something that you told some guys. You said it's nice to mix the J frames with one cut down. You want to talk about that? Absolutely. I have a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that I kind of orchestrated with the guys we're hunting with. You know, when you sit there, they kind of get a little intimidated when they hear you on that cut down is because you are taking charge of that hole. And, and so I didn't want the guys to quit calling. So what you want to do is the same way with goose hunting. You know, we don't have everybody run unless you're running traffic and you got migrator birds and you're screaming, everybody's screaming from the lungs. But I like finesse calling. I like strategic calling, I call it. And so you have one guy who's taking charge. He's the band leader. And then the other is part of the orchestra filling in. You know, all the different instruments make a beautiful song. So what I like to do with that cut down is telling the guys, I'll be the major hand. I'll be the, and follow my lead when I'm hitting her. And have this guy over here, his hand's not real good, but he likes to do, he does a feed. I'll tell him, just hit the feeds on the corners, hit the feeds when they're going away, you know, just do little things like that. Hit a couple quacks here and there and they're soft. I'll have another guy, have him do his hens and have him do a little bit of soft hen while I'm mixing in, or that he has a higher pitch hen. Sometimes that's that younger hen getting excited, so you got wah, 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 wah. So you're getting those different sign, sounds in there, but I still believe you need one band leader who's directing the course. Hmm. What did you use for a call for goose hunting this year? Glad you asked me that. Um, I've been, you know, I like our old man. The old man is a call that we know it's pretty cool that, you know, one of our first years in, in, in business that, you know, we spent some time designing this line and, you know, we took one of the number one picks in the duck division in, in Wildfowl. We also took number one in the goose division with our old man. And the old man was a call that was designed to get low and nasty goose, but ease of operation. But in the, even an advanced caller can make it sound like an advanced version. It still has that capabilities. It's hard to find advanced calls that can help you know, beginners to sound good. 
So the old man still has a great place and the time for it. But for me, I like the shorter the call uh, because of getting aggressive and stuff. But sometimes that short call, um, it's hard to tune with a higher pitch, especially on new guts. Getting that higher pitch, you're going to get one tone of kind of the monotone, raspy, high pitch. What's been a, a blessing and what I love so much about our new Game Changer Guts, which truly, it truly has been a game changer. I've been really running um, our smaller calls this year, the Exit, the Ripper. Um, we run, you know, run the Alpha a little bit, but I would say the Exit and the uh, Ripper have been my go-to calls this year. Those and are your shorter ones? Those are the shorter calls, or two. This is the, that's the Ripper, that's the Executioner. And that is a Delta. I ran the Delta as well, which has a shorter barrel with kind of our alpha insert. So it gives you that control as the alpha, but a little bit more speed with the sh uh, shorter barrel, which I like the quick spits. I like to give fast trains. I like to get quick murmurs. And and kind of put a little train in those murmurs. And that really works. Those hard geese that are kind of getting leery. Once they get hypnotized on that, that little sequence is, is deadly of finishing birds right at your feet. And with our with our uh, game changer guts that we're using, goose guts, that has that deeper sound. It has that deeper, you know, they're broken a little bit deeper. They have that just perfect tone that allows me to get the deeper sound out of the shorter call. I can still run and get that high pitch, but I do more finesse with anything, with finesse murmuring and uh, quick spits and finishing geese with a shorter call. So this year I have gone almost completely with the shorter call. Have you noticed a difference in the sound between moving from the semi-broken gut that we used last year to the game changer? Oh, 100%. Broken yeah. in gut? They're, the semi-guts, like I said, they're a good hunting gut, the gut that we liked. Um, I was still looking for something a little bit more broken and you know we took a set of guts that we had been worn been used and started once you get it that set that right perfect we got a guy over there who's not too happy he's it's, over there he's in prison he knows we're over here doing he's something turned he's turned his not back part to of us Brody. <laughs> what's up there buddy <laughs> he's in prison so anyway um what we did when we came up with game changers a set of guts that you know if you guys will know the break in a set of guts it takes a lot of it takes a great caller it takes retuning that means you have to retune that call perfectly every time that read has to be placed right back in every time in that slot because once those goose start getting broke in if you don't have that um tip of that read pointed just right you'll start making a fat broken it will be have too much verbiage have too much vibration so we worked, I had a good friend of mine who's a great caller. He uh, guides in Canada. He guides almost every day of the season. He started working the set in for us. I broke and spent uh, part of the year finishing them up and then we sent those off to get and it just, everyone who runs them said, wow, these are night and day because the transition in the notes is just, it's just, it's great. It just gives you on that spit note, they're easy. You know, once you tune them, you get that read in there, but it's just that low end and nasty low end that it gives you. Can you talk a little bit about your tuning? To my knowledge, I think you're the only one who offers custom tuning, light, medium, and heavy. And how would you categorize those three different options for the type of hunting that people might do? Well, you know, it, 
the goose call is, is designed and if it's properly tuned and, and operated, they'll sound amazing. It's like every compound bow. A lot of guys say a compound bow is, is made that it'll shoot arrows better than probably the shooter can shoot it. And I want to have that same philosophy with our calls. I want them to be error free. Um, I don't want the, the problem being that it, it's a mechanical problem. I want it to be a human problem. So with the tuning, what you need is not everyone runs a call the same way. Not everybody has the same air. Nobody, not everyone is presenting the air the same way. And what I've noticed when we, because we call the custom tuning and we put on the description, I've had a lot of guys call me, especially the guys who are starting getting older, so they really appreciate They like to tell me their age. And that, you know, they're wanting me to know that, hey, I'm not 18 years old. I don't have a lung full of air. And which I've explained to you that, you know, I have to stay even, you know, my age of being getting up there. Um, I have run calls daily just to keep my air up and keep it strong compared to, you know, what the 20 year olds and 25 year olds, because it's, it's human anatomy. You start getting older, the muscles, the lungs, everything isn't quite like it used to be. I mean, it's why in pro sports, you know, you get somebody 35, he's old, you know, the body. So, so the air, when we're tuning calls, when I say, hey, do you want it light? Do you want it medium? Do you, it really helps these guys. So when they get the call, they understand, you know, we, we have an understanding of what they're looking for. And um, our medium calls, we tune, uh, you know, which a lot of people would probably think might be on the light side, but our medium calls pretty much is what 90% of what we're tuning. Um, and I'll tune a call, medium call, and it, it will go on every way. What I really like is when someone tells me that, hey, I need a really light call or I want a deeper, stiff call. Those two I really need to know because I definitely tune the call to, to, to make sure that that customer's getting the call exactly the way he wants it. So medium is typically for what you would recommend for hunting. And a heavy call would be someone who might want to use it for contest calling. Not just, no, not just contest calling. There's, there's guys who just, they like to put, and it's usually younger guys that like to put a lot of air into a call uh, to get the different sounds. And you know, a stiffer call, one thing you understand, a stiffer call is more error free. You, you tend to make more mistakes on a call when it's lighter. You can overrun it, you can overblow it. You know, the word to use and blow, but you can put too much air and overrun that read. So yeah, in contest calling, that's important because when the nerves come in and everything else, when you're just blowing it, running a call, you know, you might not make a mistake, but when you get up on the stage and the nerves are going there, you'll have a chance that you're going, your mind is going ahead of your body. And then all of a sudden you'll airlock a call or you're putting too much air because of the excitement. Hmm. Now there's some guys who, you know, they have one way of calling that's balls to the wall, even when they're hunting, they want to, you know, there's no finessing. They, they hit it hard. Two more quick questions. One, you made reference to Legendary Gear being in business for about two years, which it is, but that's not when you started. Can you just elaborate that you've been in the business and you've been waterfowl hunting for decades, but tell everybody who isn't familiar with uh, LMC calls. Yeah, LMC, we started, I probably started making calls uh, probably in the late 90s. That's 1990, you know, um, for a lot of these kids today hunting were born. We were, we were designing and making calls and, and trying different styles. And um, there wasn't too many acrylic calls back then. It wasn't, that was just in the day the calls were being machined. 
a lot of the calls back then that you could get all were molded calls. Even, you know, the flutes that you got old, everybody had molded calls, night and nail. You know, no one really did. There was a few guys who would turn calls on wood, you know, on a lathe. But back then there was no CNC machine calls. Once I was in the day when we first started the first CNC calls. So I would say, I think that we, we uh, became a company with, with, legend, or with uh, Lynch Mob Calls probably back in 2004. Might be the year that we, that I can remember. It's been so far, but yeah, we started. And I think, you know, how we got started is we started making calls and then Cabela's first came in. That's back when Cabela's had, you know, their, their managers and each, um, guy in each division or each department was pretty much, uh, you know, they were hunters and guys who waterfowl hunted, big deer hunters. And um, so these guys started uh, liking my calls and I started making calls for them and then other managers at other stores. And then the head guy at the corporate liked my call and you know, I ended up having a meeting. Next thing I know, we were, we were in Cabela's selling, you know, in the same way with Jay's. Jay's was a great, Jay Sporting Goods in, in Michigan was a great you know promoter and we sold a lot through there and then just the rest was history. Very good. And you sold that in 2016? I sold it in 2016 to the outdoor group out of uh, Rochester, New York, um, or actually Henrietta, New York. And they make the elite bows, scout archery, slick tricks, um, dual game calls, and uh, CBE sites. So you have a couple of lynch mob calls still hanging around but the legendary gear is really the call design that's most up to date yeah that's a good a good question diane because you know we were proud of what we made back then and design and we you're always doing what you think is the very best and and same way with cars and everything else you know what you thought was the best car in the 70s you know they improved it in the 80s and then improved it in the 90s because of what you learn and have the experience and I think that's what with us, you know, I was constantly, that's my background, that's how I am. I'm always thinking, how can I make things better? You know, you, and through the years of doing things and trial and error, Lynch Mob was very good. We had some great calls. We had a great following. And guys are still, you know, when they're talking about the calls, and then when we talk about legendary gear, I said, guys, I'm really trying to tell you, legendary gear is a culmination of years of experience of everything I learned through Lynch Mob making calls, tuning calls, designing calls. And I, I have a saying that I've always said that it's easy to make a call that I like. The challenge of a call maker is making calls that other people would like and tuned other way. I mean, Jonah Motors doesn't make one car. And that was our philosophy with Lynch Mob. Well, that transition through the transition of the sale and stuff, I think that thought process got lost and uh, we, when we had our separation, you know, you and I had the talks and I really felt that I had a lot more to give back. I had ideas up here that I knew that need to come to uh, fruition, um, calls that need to be made. I knew it were gonna work. And we spent a little bit of time and resource, you know, we spent a lot of resource of uh, making this new line. And uh, I am so proud of this new line. I just, I try to tell guys, guys, this is Lynch Mob made better. Great answers. So last question is for the year 2023, you were thinking about possibly having a calling clinic. 
online, yeah. either through Zoom or FaceTime? Yeah. Are you still thinking about that? Oh, absolutely, because, you know, it's all about education. It's all about trying to help people. And, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, it's always been a desire of mine, whether it's trying to tell, teach someone how to set a spread, how to read birds, take them actually hunting, teach them how to shoot, teach them all about what we're doing. I mean, that's what we, we should be doing as elders into this. Everybody calls, hey, you're one of the OG, the original guy. Well, that's, to me, part of a responsibility of, of the years of paying your dues and learning is to pass that tradition and pass that knowledge on. And that's what I want to do. And, you know, I feel so positive about our line and the sound and how we get the, the pinnacle that we've reached with these calls that I want to help those guys out there to be able to get these calls to sound the way they were designed. And there's a lot of guys out there, who, you know, it's nice to have the YouTube thing, but when it's a personal thing, it's a world of difference to stop somebody. And it's one thing, it's like I always said, the younger kids would always be so much easier than the older people because the older guys would have bad habits. I'd have to break the bad habit, then teach them. The young guy, he learns right away and that becomes his whole world. That goose call. He doesn't have to worry about a wife, a boss, you know, whatever. He's just got schoolwork, but that call becomes that thing, and he wants to dominate it. And he'll spend the time. He doesn't have the habits. So I want to get a group of guys. Somehow we're going to work and figure out that we can do a Zoom thing. We can get multiple guys in, try to do it one day a week, whatever. Mm -hmm. Have guys who want to learn to get better and get to the next level. Those guys who want to learn to cut down. I want to be there for them. And, you know, that's why I need guys to, you know, subscribe, email us, reach out to us so we can get your email. So Diane can reach out and contact you, as many people as we can. And I want to get this thing going, try to help as many as we can. All right. The best way of doing that is to go to our website, legendarygearusa.com and sign up for our newsletter. And we will be working on pulling a program together. And if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll be sure not to miss it. Sounds awesome. Guys, that's going to do it for this week. I'm telling you what, I enjoyed bringing this to you. I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you like it, please subscribe to it and go out and tell your buddies and everything like that. And always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there rain shining on a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough Because that's what legends are made